Hi, everybody. I'm Sunny, and this is We Gotta Talk, a live weekly digital talk show and podcast where we like to dig deep. Real talk, big topics. Now, let's dig in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to We Gotta Talk. I am so glad you're here. Um, we're flying solo today. I'm excited. We've had some amazing guests on lately. And sometimes I like to pop in with quick solo episode because there's so much to talk about that I have, have intended to like sit down and record for a long time and I just never get around to it. But here we are. And today we're going to be talking about routines, specifically all of the health routines that I've put in place that I have found have had a significant positive effect on my mood and my health and my overall well-being. Um, so I'm really excited to record this today because um, this has been a project years in the making. I'm constantly tweaking and experimenting with things that, um, you know, in my in my day-to-day routine, whether it be um, exercise or mental health practices or certain supplements or things that I'm doing. And it varies at every stage in life. It's a constant experiment. But for now, I feel like I've settled on some really solid routines, supplements, and daily practices that I really have been happy with. And I'm talking about um, increase in energy, um, you know, that that afternoon exhaustion that sometimes hits just doesn't hit anymore. Um, just an overall sense of happiness and well-being and health and Um, some of this has even turned me into a morning person, which is wild. Because if you ask anyone who knew me before, like, I don't know, before the age of 30, essentially before I had kids, like getting up in the morning was just the biggest challenge of my life ever. Um, But I'm really excited to run this through with you guys. You know, I have to say this, the news person in me is coming out and including this huge disclaimer at the beginning of this episode, this is not medical advice. This is not intended to be medical advice before you do anything that you know, alters your health or well-being, always talk to a medical practitioner who is familiar with you and your health history. Now that we have that out of the way, this is the stuff that I like talk to my girlfriends about, right? So, I mean, if I'm being real with you, this is what's working for me. Maybe it'll work for you. And I just love sharing this stuff. I'm constantly, constantly asking people what they're doing in their day-to-day lives to make them feel better. So um, we're going to put it all together today in one place and it's going to be great. Hopefully you can take something from it, one or two things. So I broke this down into daily practices, diet, and testing, also supplements. So we're going to go through quite a bit here today. The show notes will be exhaustive, so I'll link anything that I can in show notes so you can reference that if there's a particular study that I'm, you know, that influenced me to try something or if there's a particular test or supplement, I will do my best to link every single thing. So make sure to check out show notes. All right, we're going to start with daily practices. So it occurred to me the other day as I was driving back from a 6 a.m. Pilates class, as I said, I'm a morning person now, which is so strange. It's truly the only hour of the day that I can get up completely uninterrupted. I set my alarm for 5.10. I roll out of bed. I do a little bit of a skincare routine. I just, you know, splash my face with water, a little moisturizer, put on my workout gear. I make my matcha and I head out the door. Um, So anyway, this all occurred to me to share this as I was driving home from working out one day. I rolled down my window to catch some morning sunlight. And I thought, gosh, I I have to share this. So a long time ago, I heard an interview on a podcast with a a neuroscientist, and I, I cannot recall the name, but I know Andrew Huberman has talked about this as well in his, you know, super 
popular podcast, but the impact of morning sunlight exposure when you take that in through your eyes and even on your skin. So the first daily practice that I incorporate, and I even do this with my kids, is morning sunlight exposure. So what this looks like is as soon as you wake up, especially if you're getting up or if you can get up right before the sun rises, don't kill me. (laughs) It's like, it's a big ask, I know, for anybody who's like, you know, not into waking when it's still dark outside, or maybe just as the sun is rising. The critical thing here is getting exposure to that sunlight as the sun is rising. So what I like to do if I'm awake during that sunlight hour is go outside. I'll let the dog out. I will go barefoot into the grass, do some grounding, let your skin have contact with a natural surface like grass or dirt or sand if you're near the beach. Do a little grounding and just look generally up at the blue part of the sky. Don't look at the sun. We know this already from like second grade, right? But look at the blue part of the sky. Expose your eyes to that natural sunlight in the morning, which is going to do a lot of good things for your brain. It is shown to improve cognitive function. It is shown to essentially set your body clock. So the sunlight will send a wake-up signal to your glands, and then those glands respond by releasing certain hormones. And it's that morning light that tells your body, okay, it's time to shut off the melatonin production and increase the cortisol production. And if you've done any reading on hormones, you know that a certain bump of cortisone, like a little sort of boost of cortisone is is not a bad thing in the morning. It it jumpstarts your day, right? Um, Melatonin is the hormone that we want to be released at night and cortisol is what kind of helps to jumpstart the day. So exposing yourself to that morning sun is so good for that reason. Ask my kids, I tell them all, especially in the summertime, it's a little more difficult now that we're back into a school routine, but I'm, I'm always like, all right guys, let's go get that morning light. And just drag them outside, even if it's for 45 seconds, getting them exposed, I actually feel like it has an impact on their mood for the day. And I know it does for me. So if I'm driving home from my workout, I simply roll the window down. I put my hand out. I try to, at a red light, I'll stop and I'll look out. Um, get, Get the sunlight where you can. And again, the critical hour for this is right before sunrise through the point where the sun is fully up. I'll include some links and show notes um, for studies that sort of have supported this. But essentially what this does is, is, is set the body clock for the day. It tells your body it's time to wake up. And you will find, at least I find, when I do this, I feel that I wake up without needing any other sort of stimulant. I'm not the type of person that typically needs a caffeine boost anyway in the morning. So I, I can't really say if this could necessarily replace your caffeine intake, say. But I do know that I feel an immediate sense of energy and feeling of like my battery being recharged. So that is a key point in my day. That is something that I generally don't miss. Whether I'm doing it at home or whether I'm rolling the window down as I'm driving home, try a little bit of morning sunlight exposure. I promise it will help. Some other simple things I do routine-wise, no phone in my room at night. This is very simple for me. I'm not a scroller at nighttime. Um, I I know some people tend to hop on social media or make that the time of the day where they catch up on emails. The only advice I have here is just be deliberate. 
um, just, just don't do it. I know that sounds like way oversimplified, but if you can find a way to get in those final few text messages and keep your charger outside of your bedroom, we have, you know, our bathroom is connected right to the bedroom and I plug my phone in. I respond to any last minute text messages that might've come through regarding the next day or regarding something coming up or whatever, uh, respond to everything. And it, it goes plugged in on the wall. Now, because I'm a weirdo, I do not worry about, about the, um, you know, any emergency calls coming through at night because we have, we have a house phone because I'm living in 1985 and I feel the need for a home line and I always will. So the people that know us know how to reach us. If there were to be an overnight emergency, they have the home phone and I feel completely comfortable leaving that in the other room. If you can't be convinced to do this, I don't know what else to say except just try it. The sense of freedom you have being away from that device is just incredible. So I'll come in to, you know, I'll set it out to charge, come in. I do keep my iPad um, with me at night because that's how I read. I, I put my nighttime mode on, which is like a feature on any Apple product. You just drag down from the top right corner of the screen and you hold in that little sunlight circle and it'll say night mode on. My night mode, by the way, is on all day just to decrease blue light exposure to my eyes, even as I'm looking at my phone. But you're going to want to do that if you use an Apple device at night. I keep my iPad with me. We watch a little bit of TV. I know that the hardcore, like routine enthusiasts don't even have TVs in their room and they don't believe in any exposure to any type of digital light. Um, for us though, for Andrew and I, it's it's like a really nice way to just relax and unwind at the end of the day. We have our shows that we watch. So I'm not sacrificing that. Uh, we'll watch our TV show. And then I read on my Kindle in dark mode. So the background is black, the text is white, and it's also in nighttime mode. And the brightness is also turned all the way down. Very specific here. And I read myself to sleep. And I literally lay on my side and I prop the, um, the iPad up on the pillow, kind of tilted in the same, at the same angle as my face is on the pillow. <laughs> and I immediately fall asleep. If you are having trouble sleeping, I've heard so many people say, I just get my mind races and my mind this and that. Try reading yourself to sleep at night. The connection my brain has made now between reading and sleep is so powerful that even if I wake up in the middle of the night, I pull my iPad back out and read and literally within 45 seconds, I'm tired again because the the Pavlovian response is so strong. Like the, the connection that my brain has made between reading and sleep. I did this even yesterday. I took a nap during the daytime for the first time in like a long time, which is another complete, completely different story. I was out until 3.30 with, <laughs> with some high school friends over the weekend. It was ridiculous. Like name me one way to feel older than being a 40, almost 42 year old in a bar with a bunch of 20-somethings. I was like, oh, gotta go. Um, anyway, so point being, I took a nap uh, during the daytime because I'm old and I needed to recover after being out until almost four in the morning. And I read, I brought my little Kindle app out and I read at 10.30 in the morning and I, uh, I was able to fall asleep. Like that's how strong the connection is. So just try it. It's old fashioned and it's super simple and you feel like it won't work. But if you get to a point where your body starts to associate a particular routine with sleep, I promise you it'll make a huge impact. So no phone in the room at night. If you are watching TV, put on those blue light blockers. I have heard a lot of sort of back and forth lately about the true effectiveness of blue light blocking glasses. And there are some people who say that unless the lens is actually tinted yellow, they're not fully blocking the blue rays. I don't know what the real you know, explanation and science is behind that, but 
I use them anyway. They have a little bit of a yellow tint to them. And if I'm watching TV at night, those go on and then that's it. Read ourselves to sleep. And here's another daily routine thing that I think you will also love. Um, I did an interview with a man named Matt Maruka, oh, gosh, about, probably about a year and a half ago now. And Matt is the founder of something called the light diet. So, um, his whole thing is ex sort of exposing your body to sunlight, natural sunlight, uninhibited by, you know, co clothing covering or SPF and experiencing the benefits of, you know, sunlight exposure and at different points in the day. So it kind of touched on this with the morning light exposure, but essentially, um, I was convinced after interviewing him, and this may be different for you. I got a little bit of blowback when I posted about this on Instagram, so I'm going to really qualify this. I go out in the sun without SPF or sun protection for five to 10 minutes every day in the hot Florida, bright Florida sunshine. I find that it is literally like plugging my body into a charger and I immediately gain energy. I immediately gain a sense of calm. And it was really influenced by this interview that I did with Matt. I will link this podcast episode in show notes as well. But essentially, he talks about how the light charges the mitochondria. So the, the, the building blocks of our cells, they're like little engines in our cells that keep us alive. They, they burn food. They, you know, they're just they should be kinetic, right? They need to be moving to provide that energy and to continue to help our cells grow. So um, I have found that adding the simple practice of noon or, you know, anywhere from 11, 11.30 through like 1, 1.30 p.m., sun exposure can make a huge difference. If you live in a colder, cloudier climate, you may be like, what's the point? You know, it's gray here all the time anyway. Just try it. Take your sunglasses off. I, I also don't always wear sun. This sounds really irresponsible. Um, here we are again. Don't, don't take this as medical advice. This is what I do. And it works for me. I like to expose my eyes a little bit to that natural sunlight too. I feel like there is a mental mood boosting effect. And if I'm wearing sunglasses all day and I'm outside or experiencing a lot of natural sunlight, there is sort of like, I, I don't feel as energized. I don't feel as positive and happy. I think there's something very real to the sunlight effect. And so if I find that if I expose both my skin and my eyes to that natural sunlight for short, responsible bursts of time, I feel immediately more mentally clear, more energized, and it has made a huge difference and in my mood and in my overall level of energy. That's something else that you might want to try. Talk to your doctor first. It's funny, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine today and she's had some um, issues with skin cancers and with, um, you know, spots and, and marks on her skin that have proven to be like malignant in some way. And, um, you know, I think there's some sort of science and research supporting the fact that our born in levels of melatonin and even our ancestry can determine to a certain extent how much unmitigated sunlight exposure we can we can take in without it being dead before it crosses the line to being detrimental so you know uh, if you're a super pale person if you know you're not typically exposed to a lot of sunlight you know these are all things to keep in mind but um but I don't generally have any problem with sunlight exposure and I feel that for me this has worked really well in providing like I said that boost of energy and that mental clarity, which I love. Okay, that's routine stuff. Let's talk diet, things that I've added into my diet that I've also found to be particularly helpful. 
first things first, I do not go a day without my matcha. It's like a powdered version of a green tea leaf. They dry the leaves down um, and they, they powder them. They just ground them down. Um, I think it is very key to find a high quality matcha. You do not want to be ingesting powdered green tea leaves that have been sprayed with any pesticides or have been treated chemically in any way. For me, I prefer Peak. So that is P-I-Q-U-E. And I will put a link in show notes for the particular type that I drink. But this is, um, they shade it, it, you know, the leaves in a certain way. They expose them to just the right amount of sunlight. Uh, they don't use any harmful pesticides or anything that come when it comes to sort of chemical exposure on their crop. And the taste on this is so smooth. You know, it, all, all green tea, um, all green tea, whether it's matcha or just straight brewed green tea, has that little kick of like pleasant bitterness. I love that. I'm not a sweet person when it comes to my drinks. So I don't mind it. Um, that's how I know it's doing what it's supposed to do, that little taste of bitterness. I don't know. I like it. So here's how I prepare it. Every morning, if I'm working out, this is at you know, 5.30. If I'm on a regular schedule and I'm just going about my normal day, then this is happening um, you know, at 8.30, 9 o'clock after I drop the kids off and get back home. I take one of the packets of matcha, I boil, uh, I, I don't bring it to a total boil because there's some question about the temperature of the water impacting the potency of the matcha. So I, I click it off right before it hits a rolling boil. So I'll start to see some bubbles pop up on the Capresso, which is the um, water kettle. And I'll include that link too, I'm just making a note. Um, put a pot of that on to boil, click it off right before it hits a rolling boil, put the matcha at the bottom of any mug. And then as you're pouring it into the, the water into the mug, I use a hand frother. And um, these are like $9 on Amazon. And I froth it as I'm pouring it in. And then I top it off with the tiniest bit of whole milk. If you like something sweet, you can do, um, you know, add a sweetener of your choice. Again, I don't personally drink it that way, so I don't have a recipe for you. There's also some debate as to whether or not dairy um, somehow like binds to the matcha in a way that makes it like flush out of the system and not be absorbed. And they some some people, some connoisseurs will will suggest using almond milk over dairy milk for that reason. I just don't like almond milk. It's like white water. It's the most unpleasant sensory experience I've ever had. There was a time when I drank almond milk and I hate myself for that because it is disgusting. It's like a, yeah, I don't like it. I don't know. I feel very passionately about this. Um, I'm on a whole milk kick. I'm like back on dairy in a big way. Um, there was a period of time when I feel like I just didn't, not because I was trying to avoid it. It never broke me out. It never really caused any, it never caused any digestive issues or really any issues. But I think I was just kind of moving with the trends for a while and experimenting with different types of milk. I'm back fully on the whole milk wagon. In fact, I'm looking at getting some raw milk delivered to our house. Um, I just feel good with whole milk in my diet. So anyway, all that to say, the ratio of water to milk in my matcha every morning is probably five-sixths to water hot water to like one sixth of milk, maybe not even that much. It's just a, a little plop of whole milk at the end. And it just kind of richens up the flavor a little bit. So every morning, the matcha, um, I love it. It is a sustained 
energy boost. It is not that shaky caffeine feeling that you'll get from coffee. Um, I don't want to get too medical on you, but there are some really encouraging studies showing that matcha has um, a very powerful antioxidant known as catechins or catechins, um, EGCG, and some research be researchers believe that it can potentially have cancer-fighting properties, including protecting cells from DNA damage. So again, there is no conclusive study on this, and this is something you're going to want to do if you just want to maybe have your bases covered and add in something that could potentially be good for your health. I'm the type of person that... I if, it's, if, it, if there's even a whisper of a possibility that this could help keep me healthy, and I also like the taste of it, like I am in, in, in. So I do not go a day without my matcha. I travel with these peak packets. So all you really have to do on the road is access a little bit of hot water and if you want the milk and it's good to go. Hold on, I need a sip of water. <laughs> um, I'll include the links to um, some of the sort of potentially encouraging medical studies that have come out related to matcha and green tea consumption, particularly as it relates to this EGCG compound. And maybe you'll be convinced to try it too. It is my favorite, favorite form of caffeine. Listen, I still get down every day with a whole milk cappuccino, but that's my treat for later. But every day without fail is the matcha green tea. The other diet thing I've added in as sort of an insurance policy for my health is Brazil nuts. So I read that eating just two Brazil nuts a day can help maintain or increase selenium levels. So that is a supplement you want for healthy thyroid function. And it can be difficult to get that in diet alone. Um, there are some researchers that say having enough selenium in your diet reduces your risk of Hashimoto's, Graves' disease, thyroid cancer. I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast before, but my mom had thyroid cancer. It is something that I'm very sensitive to. And I honestly do not know many women who have not had, at the very least, some sort of abnormal levels reported for their thyroids. So if this is something you can do that is as simple as running to Trader Joe's to buy a bag of almond or to buy a bag of nuts... Like, I'm like, why not do it? Uh, they're not, it's a taste you have to get used to. It's like very nutty. I mean, of course they're nuts. It's like, um, they're bigger. They're, they're bigger. I don't know how to describe how big. Maybe like, I don't know. Maybe like the size of like two quarters, a quarter and a half, like that, that width. Um, but they're fine. You know what? It's not that bad. I kind of like, like I said, I'm not a big sweet snacker. So I'll grab two Brazil nuts as I'm right before I make my matcha in the morning. Sometimes I grab it as I'm running out to school pickup because it's located sort of in an area where I keep my other supplements. Just do it. If you're worried at all about thyroid health, even if you don't have something that you're, um, you know, dealing with currently, I feel like it's a great insurance policy to keep everything up and running. Another thing I do diet-wise as far as like supplementing things and, and ingesting things, I guess I should say, is colostrum. So this is so interesting to me. I have been on this train for several years now and was convinced to try this from a friend of mine. So the brand I use is called Armra. And what it is, is it is a bovine colostrum. Yes, it is powdered cow's milk. And if you've ever nursed a baby, you know colostrum is that first milk that comes in that is incredibly nutrient-dense, rich in vitamins. It's obviously really healthy for newborn babies. And 
it apparently can have some health benefits for humans too. This is not human colostrum though. This is bovine. This is from cows. And you know how I feel about it is we're already drinking the milk. We might as well drink like the precursor to the milk. This is information according to Armour's website. So I can only go based on what they're saying. And I have fully bought into this. So I believe this. You may choose to or not to. But they say that it can help rebuild your immune barriers, restore your microbiome, help with gut health, and just essentially revitalize your health from the inside out. You've probably heard a ton of, um, you know, medical stories about how our gut barrier is just broken down and how it's important to get probiotics and things that sort of boost your your gut health and the ability for your body to digest properly, to derive the proper vitamins from the food you eat. And that can really be damaged when our gut health is not great. So according to them, and according to a lot of medical practitioners, when we have exposure to pollution or chemicals, that barrier can be broken down. So what I feel that Armra does for me is it helps to strengthen that barrier, helps sort of seal that in, you know, preventing anything bad from going through and, you know, just essentially helping to boost my immune system. Um, I have not gotten sick in a while. I'm like saying that and laughing because as soon as I say that, I will get sick. Um, But I credit my very hefty supplementation routine (laughs) to my relative health, knock on wood. Oh my God, I'm so superstitious. Um, What I get is the orange flavored Armra. So again, you can do um, different flavor profiles here. They have unflavored, they have a blood orange, which is what I get. And they also have a a watermelon flavor. These come in um, either a jar, like the unflavored will come in a jar, but I choose to get the blood orange in um, stick packs. So you get 30 of them and you blend it. I actually use my handheld frother to blend it into a glass of water every day. It tastes so good. I gave it to Andrew the other day. He was like, do you have anything that's not water? And I was like, I got you, boo. I served him up a frothy colostrum drink. And he was like, oh, what is this? It's kind of good. I was like, it's colostrum. And he, <laughs> he about choked. He about choked on his blood orange colostrum. But guys, it's good. It tastes good. So I'm all in. I'm all in on this. Again, something simple that I do that I feel has a positive impact on my health. Um, Some other things that I've done as far as the supplementation route, um, which I'm not currently doing, but maybe worth mentioning, collagen. Um, I used to always put a little marine collagen in my coffee in the morning. I only stopped doing that because we changed our coffee machine. And this is weird, but I just didn't find it. It was like in a different place than the collagen. And I just by virtue of like a different geographic spot in my kitchen, just stopped putting it in. I did feel that when I was taking collagen, it really helped with um, hair growth and just keeping my hair and skin like thick and beautiful. I just have stopped simply because. Um, But that's something else that I know a lot of friends have a lot of luck with as well. And then something as simple as bone broth. When I cook these days, um, I always buy, specifically with soups, or a roast, anything that's going into the crock pot, I always buy bone in um, to get some of that good, those good nutrients that come from the bone, from the marrow when you when you heat, or when you boil the water around it, or when you heat it up. Um, that's something simple you can do too if you're cooking a lot at home. 
um, to just cook with bone in. And then you go back in, you obviously have to debone and remove the meat to kind of like, for example, today I'm making a chicken noodle soup and I got bone in breasts and I even got bone in thighs. And I feel like little things like that, um, it's just a simple way to add some bone broth and some really healthy sort of additions to your supplementation routine. If you're not going to do that, Thrive Market and a bunch of people sell really great organic bone broth. I mean, this is something that I don't know what the hell it's doing, like, <laughs> to be honest, but I know that it's got to be good because I hear a lot of people who have medical um, qualifications talking about it being good. So I just do it. It's not that hard. And we're going to round things off by talking about tests today. So huge, huge asterisk here. I am a very, very... <laughs> How do I word this? Um, you know, I'm a just-in-case kind of broad. Like, I like to know more info, not less info. When it comes to health, there are people who like to stick their head in the sand, and they're like, you know what? Let me know when I'm, like, on death's door. Me? I'm like, how many ways could I die today? Let's try to avoid all of them. <laughs> and let's potentially plan for all of them, too. Um, all of that to say, I do almost every voluntary test or screening that is known to man. And if I haven't done it, chances are I'm currently looking into it. But these are the things that I have done that have given me peace of mind, that have made me feel a little bit better about my current health picture, where I'm headed. And they also help me to kind of, you know, I want to say feel a sense of control, but I know that that's not the case. My therapist tells me, and I know from living life that there is no such thing as control. Control is an illusion. But what these tests do is, like I said, give me a broader picture of my health, and they let me know small tweaks that I can make that put that control back in my hands a little bit and that also make me feel better about where I'm going. So let me take a sip of water, and we're going to talk tests next. Okay, first things first, the trusty hormone panel. If you have been listening to this podcast for any length of time, you have probably come across one of the many episodes that I have done with hormone experts. So Dr. Carrie Jones, Alyssa Vitti, um, who's all about cycle syncing, um, a woman from a company called Functional Fueling. I will link some episodes in here. Let me make a note, link old episode, link old hormone episodes. Um, so it's clear that I believe that hormone health, and I know a lot of other women do too, plays an incredibly powerful role in our physical health and in our mental health. So what has been the number one sort of factor of change in my health over the past probably five years has been monitoring my hormone levels. Right now, I am working with my doctor, my my primary care physician, um, to do a hormone panel anywhere from every, it usually ends up being six to eight months. I think she would prefer it to be either four to six months or right at the four month mark, but here we are. These are saliva panels. If you are going to test your hormones, make sure that you are doing a saliva test. If you're doing a blood test for your hormones, you are getting markers at only one point in the day. And there are multiple things that they're measuring. And the balance of these, kind of think of it as a symphony, right? Some days we want the cello 
to be in the front. Or at one point in the day that, you know, the bass and cello need to be the dominant note. And in other points, the piccolo does. It's, it's a symphony of movement, these hormones. And certain hormones should be peaking at some points in the day. And then at other points, they should be waning, the waxing and waning. We talked a little bit about this at the beginning of the podcast when it came to that morning light exposure. Um, you want certain, you know, you want your melatonin to rise at night. So you fall asleep. You don't want it to rise in the morning or during the day and feel a wave of exhaustion. Um, It's very similar with the rest of the hormones in our body. And as women, you know the impact that these little things, these hormones can have on our mood and on our physical health. And so I do this saliva test, like I said, every six to eight months. And it is four separate tubes that you spit into, like wake up before breakfast, before lunch, it's not, you know, I can't remember. Hold on, let me think this through. Upon wake up, I think before lunch, that's what it is, before dinner and at bedtime. And what this does is it gives my doctor an idea of where all my hormones are at every point of the day. So when you get the results back, you can look at, or you can with your doctor, your doctor will interpret them for you, but they'll tell you what is where and when. So there is one test you can buy um, on the market. And I'm sure there are others available. The one I use, I believe is ZRT laboratories, but I have also done the Dutch test, which is even more detailed in its feedback. Um, and I highly encourage either one of those. The Dutch test is something that I actually got when I interviewed Dr. Carrie Jones. She's going to be on the podcast in October. Again, I'm not sure if she's currently working with them, but she worked with them for a while and she was a huge advocate of, um, of this, of this particular test. Um, Again, it's a saliva panel. It's a little more detailed than the ZRT Labs one. So it's providing um, sort of feedback on not only what your levels are, but like what is transferring to what. And it shows you if you have a high indicator of certain hormones that in could, could lead to uh, uh, breast cancer one day or to, so it's very, very detailed. Don't try to interpret it on your own. Bring it to your doctor, do it through your doctor. If your doctor is not doing this or poo-poo's this, I'm not a doctor, but I am telling you, if you are a woman, do not stay with that doctor. If they believe that hormones are hocus pocus magic and they just give you a prescription to go have a lunch with your friends to reduce your stress and they say, ha, it couldn't be hormones. It's hormones. It's hormones. Hormones. So don't stay with the doctor who tells you you're just crazy, who tells you that there's no need to monitor this. If you are beyond the age of I don't know, I mean, really at any age, but especially 30, especially right past your childbearing years or, you know, right after you have had a child, please, I beg of you, monitor your hormones. You can pay for this stuff with HSA. So if you have that, there's like one sort of benefit, financial benefit. They can be expensive. These tests are hundreds of dollars, but I have never gotten feedback from a doctor that's been more impactful than the hormone test. Um, as a result of what came back on that test, my doctor has given me a blend of supplements and pills that I take from a compound in pharmacy, and we can do this in another episode, but she has tailored my supplementation routine around the results that came back from that. And I have felt better. We have not completely, we have not completely eliminated the PMS. (laughs) Ask Andrew. We're working on it. Okay. It's hard to get old. I don't know what else to say except you know, aging is, is not for the faint of heart. So that's like the one symptom. That's really the only symptom I've ever had when it comes to like 
periods in general. I just like the mood stuff has always been, you know, has lately been the thing. I don't really cramp. I don't really have headaches or whatever. So we're still working on that part. Sorry, babe. Um, We're working on the PMS part. But the beauty about these tests is that they're ongoing, right? So you can monitor it as frequently as you want and your doctor can presumably help to prescribe you things that fill in the holes where you need some boosting or that kind of balance you out. So please, please, please look into a hormone panel. You will not be sorry. A saliva hormone panel. Next up, the cancer marker test. Did I tell you I was a psycho about health? I did a test called Myriad, M-Y-R-I-A-D. And I'm going to pop open their website right now and tell you what this test's for. So essentially, this is a blood test. I did it through my um, gynecologist that shows you your genetic risk for certain types of cancers. So the particular types of cancer that can have a genetic component, which means they would be expressed in some genetic way in your in your blood work, at least on this test that are covered, uh, breast, ovarian, colorectal, uterine, skin, pancreatic, gastric, prostate, renal, lung, endocrine, and those are all covered by various tests from this company, Myriad. What you do, you get your blood drawn from your medical provider. It's sent away right away to their labs. And when your results are in, they actually call you. And it's kind of terrifying. I'm not going to lie. The doctor will call you and say, Myriad, the Myriad team called, your test results are in. We've set aside a conference room for you to go over the results. So immediately, what does Sunny think? She thinks she's dying. It was, it was like a little bit of an emotional roller coaster, but I, I understand why they do this because um, there could potentially be very serious information to share. It's not telling you necessarily, it's not telling you you have cancer at the moment. It's telling you what your genetic markers are. So it's, um, it's good information. I think I'd like to know it. Uh, so I will include the link for that test as well. This is something that you should probably talk to your primary care or your gynecologist about, but I liked getting those results. They send you them in a folder. You have them forever. You kind of keep that on file. And again, as we know, as many doctors and, and medical experts have said for years, it's not just genetic risk when it comes to cancer. There are environmental factors. It's a, who knows what it is. But if there's one more piece of the puzzle you can get, why the heck not? So that's one thing. Another thing that I do that registers sort of more on the woo-woo side of things is thermography. I'm going to look up an official definition, but essentially what thermography does is it uses an infrared camera to detect heat emissions from your body. So infrared imaging can be used. It is not, some medical experts say, as effective of a tool as an ultrasound or a mammogram. This is my disclaimer, and I am not a doctor, but I use this in tandem with my mammogram and my ultrasound to look at not only the breast area, but also the rest of the body. So what you do is you go into a room, you strip down and you put on a little sheet, you get real comfortable real quick with your practitioner, because as we ladies know, there is no way to be a healthy woman without exposing every nook and cranny of your body to some medical professional over the course of your life. I was talking to Andrew and I was like, if you ever had to be like touched or like be naked in front of a doctor, there has literally never been a time in his life where he's had to like drop trowel or like, you know, whip it out in front of, like, I'm, I'm like, how can, how can every part of my body have been seen, 
touched, or invaded in some way by a doctor, and you're cruising through life at 43 with, with nary a fingertip on your naked skin. It's really not fair. Anyhow, we'll get back to that another time. But thermography is really simple. You stand there naked and they use this machine that scans your body. There are some people who believe that this can help to detect tumor growth. The explanation given is that it detects heat in the body. So if there were, for example, a tumor that were growing, we know that that tumor is likely being fed by a blood supply of sorts, right? There's some sort of uh, movement, heat movement toward that area. So if you talk to an expert in thermography or a holistic practitioner that uses this, they're going to say, yeah, this is, this is the mechanism by which we sort of detect things. And you get this imaging back. I was able to look at the imaging as it was like being scanned because my tech had the, the the monitor sort of facing me. But what they do is it sort of just shows hotspots in your body. And the hotspots don't mean cancer. They don't mean anything bad necessarily. But they show boundaries of things. You know, they show um, if there's a different heat pattern in a certain type, a certain place of the body, they'll tell you what that could mean. I will always do this. I don't do it every year. I'm scheduling it for next month. I just had my mammogram a couple of months ago. Knock on wood, that was all good. Um, but I am using this and will continue to use this as a sort of a supplemental preventive technique. Do note that if you do this, you should not be using deodorant, body lotion. You can't drink caffeine because as we know, caffeine can speed up the heart rate and like, you know, pump the blood faster. So there are things you have to do when you do thermography. Just know that before you go in. It's not like you can just walk in and do it. Um... So yeah, I'll always do that. And I maybe I'll report back after after this year's episode or um excuse me, appointment and let you know how it went. I did a whole Instagram thing on it years ago and I did it and uh, it's lost forever to the archives, but we'll talk about it if you guys want to hear more. Finally, let's talk supplements and then I gotta wrap things up. I am a big fan and my doctor is a big fan of the MD Prescriptos line. So I am on oh gosh, I'm on a lot. Again, I get laughed at a lot by Andrew. My Meta, my uh, vitamin wardrobe, so to speak, is extensive. I carry around one of those big purple, um, I gotta write down to include the link for a vitamin holder, one of those big purple plastic pill containers that like, you know, like a granny would carry back in the 70s. Like it's massive. It's, I don't even know. It's, it's nine inches long. It's probably an inch to an inch and a half deep. I fit, I take a lot of supplements, um, adrenal supplements, um, a, uh, daily that includes omega. I intake astaxanthin. I take, I still take Nutrafol. I only do two instead of, um, the recommended four. Um, but anyway, my supplements are going to be different from your supplements, but I, this is all to say that I am a big fan of supplementation. And this is one of those things that it's, you can never really prove causation when it comes to something like supplements, right? Either you feel if you feel like they work, they work, right? <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Some doctors say they are a complete waste of money. Other medical practitioners and doctors say they're wonderful and they help fill in holes and gaps in your diet. So do with that what you will. I personally love the MD Prescriptives line. If my doctor is a fan of it and I innately trust her, then I am by virtue of that, a fan of it. And it's worked really well. And I've got my little routine going. I've got my big pill box. It's wonderful. People do look at you strangely when you carry a big vitamin pack around. They're like, I'm like, they're not prescription, okay? <laughs> it's astaxanthin and it's colostrum. Um, 
Anyway, so yes, that's a really, really broad brushstroke look at all of the things I do from daily routines to supplements to testing and more that I thought might be interesting for you guys to, um, to listen to. So I'm going to zip. Let me know if you have any feedback or thoughts. I would also love to hear the things that you all do when it comes to, you know, keeping yourself healthy or preventive care. I am here for any voluntary test. Let's see how much we can deplete our HSAs together this year. (laughs) We start with an absurd amount of money on our HSA and every year without fail, that's depleted by probably end of September. And, And thanks to whom? Yours truly. Um, anyway, okay, that's it. You guys are awesome. I hope you enjoy this episode and um, we'll see you next time with more good stuff on We Gotta Talk. Thank you so much for listening to this latest episode of We Gotta Talk. If you don't mind, I would love if you could leave a rating and review. Those help this show to get out to people who might find it useful or entertaining. I'm so grateful for your support. Please follow on Instagram at Sunny Abada or check out our latest blog post at wegotatalk.com slash blog. See you next time.